views expressed on this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station, its management, or other advertisers. You're listening to Transformation Talk Radio. Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show. is coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey everybody, welcome. I'm Dr. Pat and you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show in our Good News segment. Coming up here in the next hour, you're going to hear from the world's most prominent thought leaders on how we can all learn, become more educated, and change. First off is shining light on life with chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, COPD. There is a new documentary film, Clear the Air, opening up about COPD, which showcases the reality of living with COPD through a new lens. You know, joining us here today is going to be Dr. Brianta Foya, who is going to be talking about what this means. And we get to explore the idea of COPD, what to know about it, and what we could all learn. Also joining us is Abby Levine. Today, you'll get to know some very, very little information about this and why this is important to learn about. Today, we're going to shine a light on the physical and emotional impact of COPD and look at this Emmy-nominated executive producer and director of the film, Abby Levine. As we look at this, what do we talk about? Let's think about the heart for a moment. Well, how many of you have been told you have an irregular heartbeat? What does that even mean? Irregular heart rhythm, it's also a major risk factor and is known as AFib. AFib is related to stroke. Today, we get to talk to Trudy Loban about what AFib is. And I remember the first time I heard about AFib, atrial fibrillation. I heard that because, you know, we were looking at, um, you know, our mom and be looking at, well, what does this mean? What, are, what Should we even be concerned about this? You know, I myself have a history of this unusual rhythm that goes on in the heart. And so today you're going to hear about how AFib-related strokes, which is one of the most devastating and fatal type of stroke, and it is more common, of course, in people over 65 years of age, um, but what we know is that a simple pulse check can be the first step in detecting AFib. 
So today we want to share information about it, what you should know about it, how you can find out more information about it, and what is new now in the world of technology that can help us along the way. That's one of the most important things I think for all of us to look at is how has technology come to the forefront to enable us not just to detect this, but to literally stay on the pulse of what's going on in our bodies. And then lastly, uh, in this good news segment for today, there is much to talk about national cyber security. I don't know if you've been reading the headlines, but if you can imagine what makes us as citizens here in the United States, what makes us most vulnerable? Maybe you're thinking about the financial markets. Maybe you're thinking about the insecurity on the job. Maybe you're thinking about maybe even your health, as we're talking about in other segments on the show. But now let's think about this. Now with credit card companies who have literally been hacked, disclosing information on millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of people, one of the things we must ask ourselves as we become to more and more zero tolerance around anything to do with paper or manual items of reference, we are now entering into 100% cyber functioning. National Cybersecurity Awareness Month reminds us, all digital citizens, that online safety and security is a shared global responsibility. So the 14th annual uh, NCSAM, you know, NCSAM sparks a call to action to join the greater awareness effort. Michael Kaiser, Executive Director, National Cybersecurity Alliance is here. Uh, Jeff uh, Eisensmith is joining us here today, Chief Information Security Officer, Department of Homeland Security. This is serious stuff. So sit back, relax, Lots to talk about, inspiring conversations, and much more. We're also bringing to you, as we look at this upcoming holiday season, what should you know about traveling tips, getting ready to have fun, fun, fun for the holidays? Keith Nowak is joining us here today, Director of Communications at what? Travelocity. Why not learn how to travel? And if we're going to learn how to travel, why not learn from somebody that's an expert in the travel industry? And that's why we're bringing Keith to the forefront. So let's have some fun and let's do it together as we travel into the world of good news on Transformation Talk Radio. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I want to welcome you to our good news segment. You know, many of you have been, I know you've been watching television. So every time you turn on the television, you hear these words or letters rather, C-O-P-D. And maybe some of you know what that is. Maybe some of you don't. What you know about it is that there is something important for all of us to understand about what this means. 
what it means to shine a light, to shed a light uh, on a life with chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. That's COPD. Today joining me, Dr. Brianna Tafoya. And by the way, we're going to talk about what's new, what we can do, and why this is an important message. Dr. Tafoya, thank you for today. Good morning. Thank you for having us. Yeah, so let's talk about this for a minute. Uh, I don't think I'm like uh, uh, overstating it when I say pretty much every time you turn on the television, there's some kind of commercial, something on there for COPD. People have a sense of the severity, but I don't think many people know exactly what it is. Can you give us a little insight on this? Sure, sure. So COPD stands for Chronic Obstructive Pulmonary Disease. So that is a serious and progressive lung disease. Uh, meaning once you have it, you always have it. And it causes trouble with airflow when you're trying to breathe. Um, being as it's the third leading cause of death in the United States, it's really important that we start, like you said, shedding the light on this disease and start talking about treatment options so that people can really optimize the quality of their daily lives. Okay. So when I think about this and I think about what you're doing and the gazillion interviews you're doing to get the word out there, you know, what we're really looking at is cleartheaircopd.com. And let's talk about what that means. Uh, does it affect people from all walks of life or are some people affected more than others? What's, what is the demographic on this? Yes, good question. So COPD is most often associated with cigarette smoking. Mm -hmm. but can also be associated with secondhand smoke or other environmental exposures such as uh, biomass fuels. So it's not exclusively cigarette smokers. Uh, rarely mm -hmm. even genetic uh, abnormalities such as alpha-1 antitrypsin deficiency might lead to COPD. And mm -hmm. it can happen to all walks of life, uh, men and women and different age groups, although predominantly older individuals, uh, it will be more pronounced. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we also have Abby Levine joining us here today as well. Hey, Abby, welcome to the show. Hi, Dr. Pat. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're rocking it today. You know, it's funny oh. to be talking about something like this and be thinking, okay, why are we so upbeat about it? But let's talk about it for a minute, Abby, because, you know, look, Emmy-nominated executive producer, if we're not going to talk about it, then we're not going to be able to do anything about it, are we? Yes, you're absolutely correct, Dr. Pat, and I love your approach, and I appreciate the way that you're coming at this. It is good news because now there's a film, it's creative, it's accurate, it's interesting about the disease that is the third leading cause of death in the United States, and we took a visual approach to it, and it's also a lot more information about COPD can access it from their living room, from their bedroom, in the car, because um, the film is online at cleartheaircopd.com. Okay, so let's talk about, you know, uh, you know, why it's important to really not just shine the light, but I mean literally turn on the floodlights on this, you know, to make a film, to really bring this to the forefront. Um, you know, because beyond commercials, we are just not paying attention. And I love that we're talking about the idea of it isn't just, you know, people that are smoking, although that's kind of the rap that this gets. Um, you know, from your point of view, Abby, let's talk about clear the air, opening up about COPT. It's a documentary, but it's also about a very misunderstood and life-threatening disease. Absolutely. 
Um, so Clear the Air focuses on three people. Um, Tina is in South Carolina, and she actually got COPD from being exposed to secondhand smoke for most of her life, and she's in her 50s. Um, Mary is in her mid-70s, and she's in Michigan, and she got COPD from being a chronic smoker. And Bob is in Kauai, Hawaii. Um, I believe he's in his 60s, and he got COPD um, from working on big um, ships for most of his life. So we really have a broad spectrum of patients in the film because we wanted to give as much information in as short a time as possible and explain to people who are watching um, that with the right proactive approach, COPD is treatable. It's scary to not be able to breathe. And I'm sure at a, lot, a lot of times it feels um, incredibly difficult to think that there's light on the other side. My mom has COPD. Um, and so hopefully people watching will get the sense that this is told from an empathic standpoint um, and also an informative one. You know, uh, what can we say? Uh, I don't know what we can say, what we cannot say, but here's the thing I know. We can literally exempt ourselves. And what I mean by that, we think this is not us, but we're learning a lot about the environment as well. You know, we really are. I got to tell you something. We're, I live in the state of Washington, right? And I got to tell you that I was shocked this summer there was in the air here in the beautiful Pacific Northwest, the skies were covered with ash from the forest fires, smoke in our area from the forest fires. And I don't think that we have ever thought about what the effect of environment is. I mean, are, are you all looking at that at all? You, you nailed it, Pat. It's really interesting. You have a great perspective, um, um, you, and maybe you're the exact right demo, and hopefully your, your listeners are too, because there's actually a line in the film um, that says, I never really thought this would happen to me. And I think a lot of people relate to that. Um, and it's shocking when you get something like, well, I assume it's shocking when you get something like COPD. Dr. Tafoya can certainly speak um, on a more informed level to that. Yeah, we already know there's 15 million Americans living with COPD, but by some estimates, up to 45% of people who have COPD don't even know it yet. So that does speak to the point of how important it is to educate people and encourage individuals to be proactive in their own health care, seek out their physicians and their health care providers and start this conversation. Yeah, and the reason that I love talking to both y'all is because the bottom line with this is that you're right. There are people that we know of, uh, and I know two of them right now, uh, where folks are showing up and they have signs of asthma and they can't breathe and they're like, I got an allergy and I got this and I got that. And so they're just not aware. They're not aware. I want to thank you both. One last question for each of you. What's your personal message? How can people find out more? And thank you for this today. And I hope you'll come back for a, a longer conversation. <laughs> Um, I would say my main take-home point is that if you think you have symptoms of COPD, make sure to go and talk to your physicians and your health care providers and to learn more about others that are living with COPD and enjoying life to the fullest, visit cleartheaircopd.com. 
And my main message would be that if you have 20 minutes and you think that you have COPD, you have a loved one that might have COPD, or even if you are a healthcare provider and you treat patients with COPD, have a seat at your computer, go to clearcare.com and spend some time learning about this disease and being proactive about it so that you know more and you can help yourself or help other people. I love it. Thank you both for joining me here today. Thank you both for getting out there and taking out a powerful uh, message because there's nothing quite like it for those of you listening. And you know this, when you cannot breathe, nothing quite like that. Thank you both. Thank you. We're going to take a short break, everyone. We'll be right back. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to one of our good news segments. You know, I'm thinking about today's show and introducing you to somebody who is dedicating dedicating her life to looking at what it is that happens for so many of us that suffer, our families suffer from heart disease. Today, one I think is one of the most important conversations we have is looking at irregular heart rhythm and what the major risk factors are. We have heard the term AFib, at least in my family. Trudy Loban is joining me here today, and she is also advocate, founder, CEO, and trustee of the Arrhythmia Alliance. Now, today in the world we live in, we have technology that precedes us to help us understand how we can become more aware. This is in recognition of AFib Awareness Month. Trudy, welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. It's great to be here and to make your listeners more aware of their heart rhythm. You know, I mentioned earlier, I am part of a family um, who has lost uh, relatives um, to, let's just call it heart disease for lack of a better word. Uh, But I'm also acutely aware of how we can become better aware and understand the heart. One of those things is AFib. Tell us what it is and tell us what we need to absolutely know about this. AFib, AF, atrial fibrillation is the most common arrhythmia. An arrhythmia is an irregular heart rhythm. AFib is a leading cause of AF-related strokes, and AF-related strokes are more disabling, debilitating, and too often fatal. And there's something we can do, and it's very simple, and that is to know the rhythm of our heart. We know our blood pressure. We know our weight. We know our heart rate, our heartbeat. But that isn't the rhythm of our heart. Our heart rate is how many times our heart beats per minute. What we also need to know is, are those beats regular? Boom, 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 boom. Or are they boom, 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 That's what we need to know. To do that, we need to know our pulse. And as children, many of us grew up, if we were taken to the doctor, thermometer in our mouth, and they would take our pulse at the same time. That doesn't happen nowadays. And we need to help ourselves by getting to know our pulse to get to know our rhythm then for some of us if we do have an arrhythmia 
or we have symptoms, palpitations, breathlessness, feels like our heart's like a bag of worms wriggling in our chest, it's going to explode through our chest, then we need an EKG. Many of us get that when we go along for our annual health check each year, and that's great. However, not everyone with an arrhythmia, or in particular with AFib, are necessarily experiencing those symptoms on a daily basis. So the day we have our annual checkup may not pick up our arrhythmia. Or it may be the arrhythmia starts two weeks after you've had your annual checkup and you don't want to wait another year before getting your EKG. So you need to discuss this with your doctor. And if it can't be identified on a regular, what they call a 12-lead EKG, then we may need to have our heart monitored for longer. And the exciting news to share with listeners today is new technology, FDA-approved clinical trials, it's safe, and it gets the results. And that is a simple patch that sticks just below your collarbone like a Band-Aid, and it records the rhythm of your heart, your EKG, for 14 days. You, it's not a surgical procedure, there's no wires, there's no leads. Uh, it's put on just below the collarbone. You go home, you exercise, you shower, you wear normal clothes. In fact, you lead a normal life so that the doctor can see if and when these arrhythmias occur. After 14 days, you put it in the box, it's given to you, ship it back, and a full analysis is sent to your doctor, and he can make a diagnosis and get you onto the right treatment, potentially saving lives, reducing the number of AF-related strokes. Not only does it diagnose AFib, it will also identify other potentially fatal arrhythmias. You know, if you faint, unexplained loss of consciousness, sometimes that's low blood pressure, sometimes that's dehydration, often it can be an underlying arrhythmia. So it's important we all get to know the rhythm of our heart as well as our rate and that if we need an EKG, that we have an EKG that is long enough to capture exactly what's going on. During AFib Awareness Month this month and Sudden Cardiac Arrest Month next month, we've published a new booklet, Which EKG is Best for You, teaches you how to take your own pulse, tells you all about EKGs and in particular tells you about the Eye Rhythm Zeo Patch, as it's called. And yeah. that's available to download yep, from www.knowyourpulse.org forward slash USA. Knowyourpulse.org forward slash USA. You know if what you I want, want to more ask? Information, I want to ask you about this sorry. because what's really super important about this, and I have to tell you, super exciting, coming from a family uh, where uh, heart disease is so prominent, um, you know, things like this are now being made aware, uh, available to us from a preventative mode. And we can, it's like you said, we can do something. I want to ask you about the Arrhythmia Alliance and, you know, your effort in bringing this forward, because this is almost like looking at some kind of futuristic movie, right? You know, like having a version of Star Wars where something can actually tell you information that could prevent serious disease. Um, what is the challenge, in your opinion, for people to know more about it and then approach their doctors and say, yeah, I'm not quite 65, but you know what? I, I'm, I'm just like feeling faint these days. Can, can I get one of these, so to speak? 
Yeah, and we have to remember, I mean, you know, almost on a daily basis, we hear about the young kid dropping dead on the soccer pitch, the baseball, you know, or it affects people of all different ages. AFib is more common in older people. And by the time we're in our 60s, we all have a one in four chance of developing AFib. And by 2050, one in two of us will have AFib. So we'll either have it or we'll be caring for somebody. Other arrhythmias that cause the sudden cardiac death, as I say, affect people of any age. So this really does apply to people of any age, any place, any time, any background. Arrhythmias do not discriminate. And yet something as simple as knowing our pulse and our heart rhythm can literally save your life, your loved ones, friends and family. And this technology is just getting better and better by the day. Uh, And also it's saving not only lives, but saving money rather than having to keep going to your doctor, you know, you're not feeling well, your palpitations, your heart's beating out of your chest. But, you know, when you get there, you feel fine or your doctor doesn't think anything. Only to be repeated again the next day, the next week, the next month, whatever. With this, you know, you wear it for 14 days. Hopefully it captures something. If not, you have another one for 14 days. But then that is it. You can get the diagnosis and you can ensure that you and your doctor are talking about the best treatment options for you. And iRhythm, the manufacturers of the ZO patch, have their own website, iRhythmTech.com, obviously with a lot more detail about the patch uh, as well. So there's no excuse. We can all become pulse rhythm aware. You know, I love that you're taking this message out there, and certainly we're right behind you supporting it because, you know, a lot of times we blow this off, so to speak, Trudy, and we blow it off to, oh, you're just anxious. Oh, you're having a panic attack. Oh, don't worry. You're just stressed. And maybe that is true, but that doesn't, you know, preclude there from being something physically not, not right. Absolutely. And stress and viruses and infections can be a trigger for AFib. Not always, but it can be. But, you know, all too often we say it's a virus, it's stress, it's depression, it's this, it's that. It might be, as you say, but equally, it might not be. And don't wake up if you're fortunate enough in the stroke ward and be told by the stroke physician, yeah, you've had a stroke, it was caused by a heart rhythm disorder, or don't let your family be the ones that are grieving because they've lost you because of a heart rhythm. The amazing thing is treatments exist, but what we're poor at is the diagnosis, the detection. And so we, you know, we welcome this technology because it means we're going to identify the undiagnosed person and the doctor can treat them and restore the patient back to a person again, leading an active, healthy life. Mm-hmm. You know, what it was really exciting about this, and you mentioned this earlier, and I know our time is short, um, is that there are current studies that uh, have been conducted which can lead to advances in monitoring, monitoring AFib because, you know, without monitoring it, the impact and the results of what happens to people when they suffer from stroke or something abrupt happening. Um, it's just devastating. It, it's not like a one-time, oh, I've got a sneeze. It's life-changing. 
It, it is. And it's not just life-changing for the person that's had the stroke. It's life-changing for everyone around that person because that person will have different disabilities, different severities. They may need 24-hour care. You know, they, they lose their life and all too often caregiver loses their life as well. So, you know, we don't want to be like that. None of us choose to be a patient. Well, none of us wake up and think, oh, I'm going to be ill today. I want to be a patient. We want to be a person. We want to be doing what we want to do, leading our life. And that is what the modern technology is enabling us to do if we take advantage of it, if we educate ourselves, and if we engage with the doctors to see what is best for us. Well, I want to thank you so much for everything you're doing here, Trudy. And, you know, for many of us, um, this is actually more than just an innovation. It really is an inspiration. Um, Please, one last question. What's your personal message? What would you like to leave us with today? Please know your pulse rhythm. A simple pulse check can save your life and the lives of others. Mm, and thank you so much for all that you do. Uh, again, please give us the websites. People can find out more about your work, more about um, what they can do to uh, speak to their doctor and make a request. Knowyourpulse.org forward slash USA. And for more detailed information or any doctors listening, they may wish to go to iRhythmTech. Perfect. Thank you so much, Trudy. Uh, We're going to take a short break, everyone. This is really exciting. This is one of these things that if you can take steps, as Trudy has shared and is sharing with the world, this is where you get to do something to save your life, save a family member, and live and thrive with a healthy heart. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome. Welcome to Transformation Talk Radio. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Now, listen, many of you have heard me talk about cyber, 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 cyber. And I think you're pretty much like, here she goes again. You're absolutely right. You know, we are a broadcast network. We work online. You download our shows. There is so much that goes on. So yes, it is important for us to bring you information. And today we have two of the best. Jeff Eisensmith, Michael Kaiser joining us here today. Uh, Jeff is Chief Information Security Officer for the Department of Homeland Security. Michael is the Executive Direction National Cybersecurity Alliance. And guess what? National Cybersecurity Awareness Month. What? Yes. Now, welcome to both of you. Welcome to the show. Welcome, Dr. Pat. Thanks for having us. Okay, so I'm one of these people, just to kick it off, really, get right into it. I'm one of these people that purchased one of these online, check my credit, keep my credit safe, thinking, my gosh, if anybody is going to keep my stuff safe, these credit company people will. But you all are bringing a message out there that says, wait a minute, we have a responsibility too. And I am so excited to be talking with you about this. I don't think the internet's going away. Do you guys? 
<laughs> no, uh, the, 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 the internet is here, 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 here to stay. Uh, it's an amazing thing. It's, it's brought so many possibilities, uh, and 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 the good that it does is just absolutely phenomenal. But it has a dark side too. Uh, and uh, the purpose of Cybersecurity Awareness Month is to introduce people to uh, how can they protect themselves from that dark side. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about National Cyber Security Alliance. We're talking about a national initiative. And I want to ask you this simple question. What is it that millions of educated and and otherwise uh, people in the United States, what is it that we just don't know? Because I, I think that we mean well. I just don't think we know stuff. Yeah, I think, you know, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a really, it's a question we all have to ask ourselves. I think actually people know to a certain degree what they're supposed to be doing. Certainly our research at the National Cybersecurity Alliance shows that when you ask people, what, you, what are you supposed to be doing that you're not doing? They kind of know. So people really have to move from knowing to action, right? They have to make better passwords. We know that, you know, when you see the research all the time, the most common password is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. My guess is most Americans know that that's not a good password. So, you know, if you want to be protected, you have to empower yourself to take the right motions uh, to do that. So better passwords, turning on stronger authentication, which is something in addition to a logon and passwords, patching your software. When you get that notification that says there's a new update to your software, do it as soon as you can because there's protections built in underneath that. So a lot of this is about knowledge and a lot of this is about action. And October, Cybersecurity Awareness Month, is about everybody, let's take some action now and all year long to be safer online. What is what, in your opinion, uh, I know that each week, you know, has a theme, stop, think, connect, right? Uh, uh, cybersecurity in the workplace, all of the above. What do you think is behind people not following some of the direction. And what I mean is, let's just start with passwords. Um, yeah, you love your dog, and okay, every password you have is your dog's name. Something like that is just a general awareness that, hey, that probably is not a good idea. So I think it's human nature. When, when you face the fact that there are over 20, quite often, many more than that, places where you now require your password. It's a daunting task to remember every one of those passwords. And so human nature says, hey, I'm gonna do something easy here because it's the only way I can survive. Um, but that's not a good strategy uh, to reuse passwords. We know that's just not right. Um, and so there are some strategies of things that you can do. Uh, there, are, there, are, there are products out there that are password keepers. Mm -hmm. Now, um, it's, it's a product that, in, that encrypts all your passwords and it allows you to use a different one and as you need them, it's available to you. Uh, and, and that way you don't fall into the, the deal where you have 20, so, so you so use the same password for 20 different sites and the 20th site gets tipped over, right? All the first 19 are now in jeopardy. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's, that is typically what occurs and, and, and why that's such a bad idea. So. Um, you know, one thing you can look for is quite often now, uh, different products are offering you the option of mm -hmm. 
username, password, and sending an SMS message to your phone. Yes. Yes, so I have those. It's not just what you know. Yeah. It's something you have, right? Yeah. And that's a great way to secure yourself that's not that hard to do. Yeah. I love that you're talking about this because, you know, I I was looking at something the other day and I got a message from Dropbox, I think it was, that said, oh, blah, 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 in Redmond, Washington, just upload a file. And I'm like, well, wait a minute, Sunday afternoon, I don't have any employee in Redmond, Washington. And (laughs) wait a minute, wait a minute, what is that? So you're right about this. You know, don't you find, though, for some of this, it is human nature. However, there are some things that we should all know, right? I mean, there is some basics, uh, or or am I just living in Gaga land? No, I, I think, you know, to sort of, uh, there are some basics. And I think sometimes, you know, maybe people have been overwhelmed by all the things that they think they should be doing. And if they don't, you know, do them all, then somehow it's not worth doing any of them. And, you know, part of the point of Cybersecurity Awareness Month is to say, Yes, do the basics. Do what you're saying. Talk about this strong authentication. Um, use the software patches that are available. Be Share with care online. Be thoughtful about what kinds of personal information you share about yourselves. Use the tools that are available on the services that you use, like Facebook and Twitter and Snapchat and, and Gmail, that actually have safety and security settings in them where you can go in and say, you know, I only want to share with this group of people, or I want to turn on this protection that you have available for me. Um, and so just, it's really about, you know, just taking that little time to do some, you know, cyber maintenance. I mean, you know, you take your car down to be fixed or, you know, you make sure that it doesn't run out of brake fluid, right? I mean, this is a, you know, something that we're used to in life. It's not, you know, much different and it's become much easier over time to do these things and to um, have the security in place. Yeah. You know, I love this idea because um, we used to think that we are living in our own little bubble here in the United States. Like it's just this little U.S. bubble. And we forget that the Internet doesn't really have a boundary like our geography. So this is is this, you know, not just like a local national. I mean, shouldn't be shouldn't we be globally aware? So. uh yeah, yeah, that's a wonderful question, Dr. Pat. And and um, the answer is that uh, Cybersecurity Awareness Month is now uh, being done in a lot of places around the world, not just in the, the U.S. And uh, you know, with with that global theme, that uh, the, the the internet breaks down mm-hmm. uh, geographic boundaries. We're all cyber citizens. Uh, and and to really get the internet where it needs to be to be a mm-hmm. safe and wholesome environment, we all have to do our part. Yeah, I mean, honestly, even if you're not, you don't listen to the news channels, you really have to be living under a rock not to really know that what's going on in our cyberspace here in our government and in emails and you name it. Without getting political, the point is this for me: if it happens to them. Why do I think I'm safe? See, that's really, I think, well, the illusion I, we live with. Yeah, I think, and I don't think that's not, and that's not limited to the internet by any by any means. Really. No, no, no. I think um, often, yeah, I think people often feel, you know, that you know that that what's happening, you know, that that something's not going to happen to me, and therefore I don't need to prepare for it. But right. you know, in the world of the internet, you you just have to prepare for it. You have to be um, thinking. That you know, at any moment in time, 
um, your your computer could become compromised or your friend's computer could be compromised and that might attack your computer. So we are all connected in this way. So it's not only like I'm doing the best thing that I can do, but everybody else has to share that responsibility with me. We need to do it together. And, and remember this notion that everything that you do to be safer online actually makes everyone around you more secure as well. Yeah. Okay. So let's take a trip for, I know our time is short here. I want a future trip for a minute because, you know, you're talking to somebody that started working at a very young age back when computers were on these dot, these little polka dot cards that you had to put through a reader. I want to look at the future. You know, 2020 is a year that we hear a lot of. It will be here soon. What is the future what are some of the cybersecurity issues of the future you want to talk with us about? So um, I think problematically, one of, the, one of the biggest issues that we have is um, having to use a password. And I believe mm-hmm. that by 2020, uh, hopefully passwords will be a thing of, thing of the past. Uh, we've seen products that now that uh, are handheld that will scan a profile uh, of your face and, and it will recognize you. Uh, using, your, using your fingerprint today to unlock devices is a wonderful yeah. idea. Yep. Uh, so I think that's going to go a long, long way. I, I think there's always going to be this, this unhealthy tension between mm-hmm. time to market and building security into a product. And mm-hmm. as, as consumers... The decision is going to be, do I buy something at low cost that's insecure, or am I going to be buying something that costs more but has security baked in? That's going to exist and continue on in years. Yeah, I just bought a new laptop for for our office, and you know, it was fascinating to me. Of course, it's a touchscreen, but the whole fingerprint thing was out in the forefront. Like, yeah, put your finger here. Um, that's one aspect of it. How, how do you feel about companies requiring that kind of security? Because I know the average everyday person, maybe I'm watching the NFL, I don't know what I'm watching, but maybe I'm doing that on my phone. But corporations, I guess I'm kind of feeling a little cynical today, guys. I'm just feeling there's really no excuse in corporations. I don't know. Am I again? I'm I'm probably now in Oz, living in Oz. Well, I think you know. I mean, I, I think that there's a couple of things here that mm-hmm. people need to think about. One is that security should be risk based, right? So um, when you think about your laptop, you and you know how portable it is. You really don't want anybody getting into that laptop except people who are authorized to do it. So Mm -hmm. having your fingerprint or using that kind of technology or a facial scan, that's uh, one of the things that's being used in some of the technology. Mm -hmm. That's what's coming out in the new iPhone, for example, you know, really provides a level of protection against a super high risk. And I think security can never be a one uh, size fits all solution, right? So obviously if you have a website that you go to that all it has is recipes and it doesn't connect to any other website that you use and you don't have any payment information on there, maybe using a fingerprint to get into that website is not needed. So I think we, we have to get to that you know, more granular um, risk-based analysis of security so that you're providing credentials or you're providing verification of who you are 
based on what you're trying to do. Because if you're trying to send $100,000 to purchase a house, everybody on every side of that equation, you, the person receiving the money, the bank that's sending the money, all want to make sure that this is exactly what's supposed to be happening and everybody who's doing this has permission to do it. And that requires a different level of authentication than just you know going to read the news. Oh, wow. Thank you so much for your time. One last question. How can people find out more? And I'd love to hear from each of you what your personal message is, what you want to leave our listeners with today. So um, at, at the DHS website, there's Stop, Think, Connect uh, is how you get it to the DHS uh, information, and there is a wealth of it there. Um, yeah, so uh, I, guess, I, I guess my message would be uh, as Cybersecurity Awareness Month comes out, uh, take an interest. There's mm-hmm. a lot to learn, and there's a lot of great sources of data. Mm, thank you. And thank you. And you can go to staysafeonline.org and uh, follow us on hashtag cyberware. And my advice, my one message is: do something. Do something today that will make you more secure today and tomorrow. And start somewhere. Wow. Thank you both for taking this message out there. Timely is an understatement. Thank you. Have a super day. We're going to take a short break, everyone. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. You know, if you're like me, there are traveling tips that you just don't know about. Many of us like to pack it up. We'd like to get in a car. We'd like to get in our airplane. We'd like to go visit our friends and family. And then off we go. And all of a sudden, we're not sure what is happening, how it's happening. And we've arranged time off from work. We're not really sure what the heck is happening, but things all of a sudden start to go sideways. Why is that? Well, I've got Keith Nowak joining me here today, Director of Communications at what? Travelocity, and we're talking about tips, special expert tips on uh, what the heck do we do this holiday season? Unique properties are among the most sought after, and why is that? Keith, thank you for today. It's great to have you here. Clearly, in this country, uh, and I think around the world, we are now looking for really unique ways to spend time with the family and have ourselves some kickback time. What are some of the things you've learned? No, I agree. We are seeing that in spades. It just comes down to people don't want that cookie cutter experience anymore. That's kind of how it no. used to be. You'd go out, yeah. you'd buy the guidebook and it would say you check off the things you're supposed to see and you go home. And that's just not no. what it is anymore. Nope. People now have their own sort of their own passion points and they want to pursue those. So it's not necessarily about going to the big city and seeing the big sites. It may be going to a very off-the-radar destination that just speaks to you for whatever reason, something that you like to do, and it makes it more memorable and more fun. You know, I, I know, I'm not sure that, you know, if somebody said to me, oh, we're just bored. I don't think that's it. I want to ask you about this. Um, we are now connected through devices, social media. I mean, it's almost every day we're we're kind of viewing what's going on in some place we never even heard of before, right? I have a friend that's actually uh, creating a way for people to acquire condominiums in Thailand. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, 
But here's the thing. We're all connected. We want that experience. We want that special thing. But nine times out of ten, we're viewing online, and what we're seeing online is not actually what we're getting. No, it's true. I mean, I think that you definitely have to see it for yourself. And the the key is Mm -hmm. this, is that I think online is a great place to get inspired by something. Mm -hmm. But again, it's not necessarily about saying, gee, I saw X and I want to do that. It really needs to be much more about, I like the idea of what that person's doing. I'd like to go there and follow my own path. Maybe it's some of those things, but just following somebody else's Mm -hmm. itinerary, that's not how people travel anymore. There's just so many ways to learn about new destinations. Um, And then, you know, because again, you talk about social media. I think part of it is that you want to experience new things, but there is also fun in sharing something unique with your friends as well. It's not boasting. It's more about... This is something different that I'm excited about. And you really nailed it. And, you know, by the way, you know, what you all do at Travelocity, and this is what I love about this, you know, we are now looking at this world of opportunity and possibilities. And that's what you, uh, you all allow us to do. We get to play in this arena where we're looking at options and possibilities that were never available to us. You know, what are you seeing now uh, with these trends? What are you seeing? I, I would imagine that people are not even necessarily wanting to, like, stay in the traditional hotel room anymore, right? I mean, I wouldn't say that people aren't wanting to. There's no doubt that if you look at, you know, when people book, we're still booking, you know, the traditional Spots are still very popular. People go to New York, people go to Orlando, people go to Las Vegas. And yes, a lot of times, you know, there is a certain safety in knowing, gee, this is a large chain hotel. I know Mm -hmm. what I'm going to get. And yes, there is a certain, you know, security in that. But you are also seeing a lot more options coming online, whether that's a vacation rental, whether that's, you know, my favorite kind of place to stay is I really search for those smaller hotels that maybe, you know, somebody local bought, renovated, put their love into it. And you go there and you realize they did this because they love their community and they want to share it with other people. And that gets me excited. So those are the kind of properties I love to go around and try to find because when I go there, I can talk to the owner of that hotel. They'll tell me about when, how they worked on this, the challenges of bringing this hotel back to life. And, oh, they're going to share with me some of their other friends that have done the same thing. Maybe there's a baker and a brewer and other people mm. in town. And, it, you know, you really become part of a community that way. Yeah. Okay. So while I have you, this is kind of cool. You want to share any, like, secrets with us, like some of the hidden gems, like some of the things that, oh, give us an example of what might be possible here? Oh, God, there's so much. Um, You know, I think that, you know, part of it is starting by, again, finding those people that have done really cool things and following along. And then when you find a place you want to go, that's when it's fun to go on to Travelocity and just sort sort of start digging through the site and finding things. So, you know, it was like when I was digging through the site in Arizona and found this motel that had 
a room 200 feet below ground. I'm thinking, how cool would it be to go on a road trip, stop at this motel and stay in this room that has this shaft underground? It's just totally different. It's just a motel, but it has this amazing little feature. So, you know, it's that whole idea of exploration. So part of the exploring process is actually coming to site and digging around going, ooh, that looks amazing. You know, uh, one of the things that you mentioned that I want to kind of get back to is that there is this exploration factor. Now, I don't know if this is something that came up in, in, in what you all have discovered, but what I'm finding is that the children, the kids, right, they are very tuned in to what's online and very tuned in to what kinds of things they want to see done. And you're right. There are the traditional things that we all look at and look forward to and so forth and so on. I mean, who doesn't want to be on the beach in Hawaii, right? But then we've got this other factor, right? You and me, let's go. Then we've got this other factor, though, where the family now can be more engaged. And the minute we look and we go to the site, we go to Travelocity, we're really, we're really touched by, you know, the world of possibilities. What would you tell our listeners? What would you say, hey, look, here are some of the things you absolutely want to be mindful of. You know, these are now the things that are becoming more mainstream. So this is what you can find on Travelocity to help you. Yeah, I think that what I would tell people is have, you know, keep your mind open. Keep it open mm. to all sorts of possibilities. Don't limit yourself because there's no reason to anymore. So if you, you know, why go to somewhere just because everybody else has gone there? There's no reason to do that anymore. So you can go and sort of, the great thing about online is that, yeah, it may not be the exact experience you're going to have, but it'll give you the flavor. And if you go on and say, you know what, Boise, Idaho looks like a cool place. I think we should go there. There's nothing stopping you from doing it now, right? Because you can learn about the town. You can book your flights there. You can book your hotels. You can do all sorts of things and just go. And that's, to me, what is so much fun. When, you know, we uh, Travelocity launched 21 years ago. And we were the first, it was the first time that, you know, people were put in charge of putting together what they wanted to do to do. Before then you sat down with a travel agent, which they do a great job, but you were following their lead. Now you can follow your own lead. And that's what's been so great about this revolution in travel. Yeah. You know, you must have so much fun in doing what you do. Um, because you, you know, part of this is we are looking in today's world to escape a little bit. We are looking for something that might be different. You know, my friend told me that the whole industry of bed and breakfast is now, um, not that it it ever faded, but it's having this new resurgence, right? You know, this new way for people to really explore a vacation, but at the same time connect with nature again. What are you finding with people's um, what should I say, affinity for wanting to really connect with nature? Yeah, I, I think that nature is part of it. I think people want to explore. They want to find what's around them. But I think part of it is that idea that when you travel, 
you want to travel like you live there, not like you're a tourist there. So I think nature is a piece of that to where you find somewhere that's relaxing, that speaks to you. And maybe it does come down to relaxing. I think we all need more relaxation in our lives these days. And, you know, that sort of that country in feel, it's a good way to get there. Yeah. And, you know, I I was reading a little bit about you, Keith, and, you know, I think one of the things I was reading that, you know, you remember what it was like to fax press releases. And I'm going to leave you with this thought. I remember what it was like to have IBM punch cards to process data. Now that's scary, but we're not in that world anymore. It's like, I got my phone sitting next to me here, my big wide, you know, smartphone thinking about how am I going to be able to spend this weekend that we're planning in uh, California. And thank you to you and Travelocity for making life a lot easier. Oh, we have fun doing it. Thank you so much. Awesome. Travelocity.com, everybody. Lots of information there. Uh, Keith, thank you for today. One last question. Personal message. What do you want to leave us all with? Personal message. Get out, explore the world, relax. You know, that is the best way to connect with the world around you. All right. And, you know, my message for everybody, let's rock on. All right, everybody. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. 